0: is if you have a smartphone or you have a tablet, this is the moment when you want to open uh, your, your app, your Evangel app, which you can find online in your app store, no matter what kind of device that you have. And you can download it. And all the uh, information that we've told you today and the notes for this morning's message are on there as well. And you can follow that as well. Okay. It's a good day, Yeah. It's a good day. Here's what I want to do. I want us to just pray uh, just before we jump in this morning because uh, I want to pray over over some of the needs that were just brought up through Pastor Donna Marie-José, but I also want to pray because today's message is one of those ones that matters, and I want us to hear it well. So if if you would, would you hold out your hands? For me, this is a a symbol of openness to God and just welcoming God in. It's not a magic posture or anything. And so if you're not comfortable with it, that's fine. But, But just maybe hold out your hands. And God, at this moment, we welcome you in and we invite you, Holy Spirit, to connect with us. And we say thank you, God, because you have allowed us to be part of your plan and your family and your kingdom all over the world. How amazing is it? that we get to partner with that, and we get to be part of it. Lord, we pray for the nation of Sierra Leone right now, suffering and struggling and hurting. We ask, God, that you would help, and that it would you would help, God, in miraculous, divine ways, and you would help in practical, on-the-ground ways. Lord, for all of the other nations that the men's are working in, and even as they get ready to go back, we just ask that your anointing and your provision and your, your creativity and your wisdom would, would continually settle on them and would increase in them so that where they go, they walk out well what you have called them to do. Thank you, God, for them. Lord, now as we, as we take some time and we, we turn our minds back to our world here and to the province of Quebec where we are and our culture and looking at um, how we can connect with it, I'm praying that you would bring our thoughts into line with yours, that you would help us to hear you speaking to our hearts and help us to walk out of here knowing better how to connect in the world that we're in. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're doing this series, and it's been called, What If Jesus Was a Quebecer? And, uh, of course, the real question is, how does our faith interact with the culture that we're in? And the reason we're doing this series is, is to meet the Great Commission, because we have said over and over again that our purpose is to what? There you go. It's on the screens, okay? Our purpose, say it with me, our purpose is to help... People meet. Jesus. There you go. And so so that's why we're going through it, is trying to figure out how our culture and the, the world that we're in, how it connects with our faith and how we can find common ground. I just want to remind you, and I've said this, tried to say this every Sunday, and I'm just saying it again because I just think it's important that you know where I'm coming from, is we are using as a source for this series, there's a book out there, it's called Cracking the Quebec Code. We've sold out of it three different times, and we've ordered in more, but they're not here yet. And so if you have purchased it and finished reading it and you're not going to read it again, we would love it if you would give it back to the resource zone and we'll sell it again. And you go, Patty, you're making profits. We actually sold it to you at a loss in the first place. And so we would be happy if we could sell it again and start to make up some of what we've had, even as we're trying to get more copies of the books for you. And I just want to point out to you that this book was given to me because of course I'm an Ontario girl. I was raised, born and raised in Ontario. I've only been in Quebec a couple years. And it was a couple of Quebecers that gave this to me and said, if you want to understand Quebecers and especially French Quebecers you need to read this book because it just nails us and it says exactly who we are. And so I started reading it and I had moments as I was reading it a year ago, just going, oh, that's what's happening. And then I had other moments of going, I don't know what that means and I don't know what that looks like, but trying to just walk it through. And then we've, we've taken our staff through it and we've taken our lead team through it. And, and now we're, we're walking through it with you as a congregation. And, and, and just because, because I know, and I'm, I'm an Ontario girl, what do I know about Quebec? We, we also have a focus group in the background that is helping me, a focus group of Quebecers that is helping me to make sure that we don't get off track and that what I'm saying hopefully is, is fairly close to accurate so that we can do this well. And, and so here's, here's what I want to say to you. If, if you are here and you go, I don't, I don't see this. This is not the culture that I interact with. I, I have a different circle and whatever that that's fine. You know, I, I just want you to think about the culture that you're in, that you're interacting with. And so we're talking about Quebec because we're here, we are geographically in this place. But if it, if it spurs you on to think about whatever culture it is you interact with and how your faith connects, that's still a win. That's still good, okay? And so because the point is to help people meet Jesus, and so here we are we're on we're on the fourth key today and we've gone through three keys so far of of what if Jesus was a Quebecer and number 1 was joie de vivre this joy of living, this happiness in the moment. And we said, we can totally get on board with that. We can find common ground. We can cultivate and and be part of that and and be the kind of people that people like to be with. And and we can get on board with that. That one's good. And then we went on to key number two, which was easygoing. And we said that Quebecers really value consensus and they don't want to fight with people. They don't want to, you know, uh, constantly have conflict. And we said, well, we can get on board with that. And we can cultivate and find common ground with this sense of consensus and learning how to work together. But we also learned that there's a little bit of a gap in, in Quebec culture where, where there's this um, lack of ability sometimes to have a healthy debate. Because you're in such a hurry to get to consensus, you don't actually really talk it out. And so we said that maybe we could help to fill that gap as followers of Jesus. Maybe we can connect with that by, by demonstrating and modeling how to, how to disagree well. And how to have how to have good debate. And then we said number three, key number three was non-committal. And that was last week. More talk than action. And we said, you know, this is a trait that Quebecers seem to have. And we said that our response to this, there's just there's just nothing where, where the church of God can say, Well, I'm not really committed and I'm all about more talk than action. We said we gotta we gotta push back on this and create, and we can create and be and be a people that are known for commitment. And known for action. And we said, imagine what a difference it would make in our world if Montreal, and people in Montreal said, you know, when the going gets tough, evangel shows up. And so we had a little fun with that kind of thing. And so we're going on to to the one today. And key number four is a victim mentality and a fear of failure. This is going to be a little bit of a tough one, but I need you to stick with me through the whole thing, and I promise by the end we're going to come back around, okay? But but there's 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 just a, there's a bunch of, of pieces that have to do with with this trait of, of, of Quebecers, of, of the sense of being a victim or being afraid of failure. And there's a bunch of things that I'm going to go through a little bit quickly because there's one that I want to get to that's really going to matter to us this morning. So one of the pieces that has to do with this is a, a sense of feeling doomed, to fail, just this sense of well, we're just going to fail anyway, and you can see it reflected sometimes in advertising that that happens in Quebec, where it just showcases people as kind of losers, right? And I, and um, there's this this humility, but almost this uh, we're so proud of, of humility and proud to be inept, and it just kind of justifies weakness and says you know you don't have to improve. So this sense of being doomed to fail, and then there's another piece that says as part of this trait that. Everything, if anything goes wrong, it's somebody else's fault, okay? Blame somebody else, and particularly blame the government, because it's the government's job to solve everything, and it's the governor doesn't matter what it is. If it's poverty, education, unemployment, the economy, I don't care, health care, whatever you want to call it, the environment, it doesn't matter. It's the government's job to solve it. And there's not this sense of, of individual responsibility or that I, as a, as a person, as an individual in this society, I can make a difference. No, no. It's the leader's job to do it. And by the way, they don't trust the leaders, and the leaders are probably going to just fail anyway. Okay? So that's a piece of, of this trait. And then there's this um, also fear of, of risk-taking. And this is fairly different from from the rest of Canada and from English-speaking rest of Canada. English-speaking rest of Canada actually finds risk fairly stimulating. They like risk. French Quebecers, not so much. French Quebecers are not much into taking risks. They would prefer um, financial stability over taking a chance of some kind. They are uh, the biggest buyers of life insurance in Canada. And then uh, and, and there's this saying among French Quebecers or this, this sense basically of, of don't ask for too much, but just be happy with what you have. Don't take any chances with what you have, but just just be happy with it because it's better to do nothing than to make a mistake. Which goes back to sort of the non-committal thing that we talked about last week. Because if you commit, well, you might make a mistake. You might commit to the wrong thing. And that's risky. And, and we don't like risk. And then uh, on top of that, there's also this uh, not-in-my-backyard mentality. Which goes back to, you know, it's the government's responsibility to solve everything. So, so there becomes this unwillingness... To, to sacrifice personally something that would be for the good of the community. It's don't do it in my backyard. Fix it, but don't, don't impact me. And, and because it's not my job to solve community problems. Now, again, there's a big difference from, from the rest of Canada and from English rest of Canada because for English remainder of Canada, 47% of people feel connected to their community and feel a sense of responsibility towards their community, 47%. In Quebec, only 28%, 28% of Quebecers feel connected and responsible for their community. And this is where it starts coming close to home, okay? It starts to creep a little bit closer to where we are today. So part of this victim mentality, this fear of failure, looks like a fear of of immigrants or a fear of, of newcomers to Canada, but... It's, it's not. That's not quite it. It's not about racism, okay, for the most part, because for what it's worth, according to, to Cracking the Quebec Code, for what it's worth, statistically, Quebecers are no more racist than English Canadians, and they're actually much less racist than the French or Americans, for whatever that's worth. So Quebecers are not afraid of different cultures unless it becomes about religion, Religious accommodation, that's a problem. That's a problem. And so even just this week, there was a a poll released by Angus Reid that said 60% of of Quebecers were opposed to any kind of religious face covering for for public servants. And and 43% of Quebecers, when they were asked the question, should we be suspicious of anyone who expresses their faith openly, 43% of Quebecers said yes. We should be suspicious of people who express their faith openly, any faith. And so Quebecers don't like public displays of religion, especially if it's going to influence them or impact who they are. See how this is starting to hit close to home? And so here's the core for us today. You ready? Quebecers fear a return of religion. And that should stop us dead in our tracks. That should impact us, because Quebecers fear a return of religion, and there's a reason for it. The fact is, in this province, in Quebec, there's history. And it is a history that is different from the rest of Canada. French Quebec history is a a story in which English government, English-speaking government, dominated and controlled French-speaking people. And English-speaking people controlled business, and they controlled commerce, and they controlled government. And French people were held back with no chance to move up in the world. And French Quebec history is also a history of being dominated and oppressed by the Catholic Church. And and French people were were guilty, and they were condemned by, by an angry God. And, and abuse, there's all kinds of documentation, well documented, the abuse and the control and the oppression that happened under the church here in Quebec. And I have had more people tell me, I've only been here two years, and I'm, I'm quite open about that. I've only been here two years, and in that two years, I have had more people tell me about religious abuse that happened to them or to people they knew than I had in my whole life in Ontario. It's real. And there's a deep trauma and there's a deep hurt and there's a deep fear of religion. And so Quebec decisively left religion behind when the quiet revolution happened and they're not going back. And so there's there's this quote that says Quebecers fear a return of religion. Quebecers subjection to religious control persisted for many years, and they are loath to go back to their former state. Now, I think, I think that sometimes we have a tendency to skip over that. Nobody wants to talk about that. And, and so we, we just sort of want to skip over it and say things like, well, pff, it wasn't us. That was the Catholics, not us. And 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 the problem with that kind of a thing is Quebecers that are that are outside the church they don't see the difference necessarily they just see the church and it was the church that did it and here we are claiming to be the church and by the way if they do see a difference between us and the Catholic Church that that, that dominated and and caused a, well then that's because we're a cult I've had that said to me a few times as well never heard that in Ontario and so so we so that doesn't really help to say well it wasn't us it was the Catholics and sometimes we we. We skip over it and we say things like, no, no, Pastor Patty, it's fine that they're afraid of religion because Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. Okay. I know what that means. And you know what that means. Nobody else knows what that means. That's a statement that doesn't carry meaning outside of the church. And then somebody else would just say, well, you know, it's just, it's the past. It happened and you got to get over it. But the truth is each one of us is shaped by our past and we're shaped by our history and we're shaped by our family and we're shaped by the culture we're in and we're shaped by our faith experiences. And if an individual was shaped by by abuse or some kind of deep trauma or deep pain, we would not tell them to just get over it. That doesn't work. So we can't do that to a society either. We can't do that to a culture and just say, well, just get over it. The, The thing is, Whether or not we agree with with Quebecer's perception of Christian faith, that is the perception. And it is the culture in which we live, at least to some extent. And so we all, you know, come here and then we go out there and we we chirp very cheerfully. Oh, churches are here to do good in our community. (laughs) And when we do that, There's a significant part of the population that's very, very shocked by that statement and says, no, no, churches do not do good in the community. And if we don't realize that and we don't wrestle with that, then we are going to struggle and we're going to have an awfully hard time carrying Jesus to our world. So here we are. I don't know if you've looked around recently, but here we are, multicultural English-speaking Christian church in a province that is a little bit nervous about multiculturalism and was dominated by an English-speaking government and the Christian or Catholic church. <laughs> and here we are. And so what do we do? do we, how do we respond? Do we, just, do we just go, well, that's that then, and lock the doors to the church and just huddle inside and crawl under a rock and disappear and wait for Jesus to come? no. Do we blast open the doors and go stand on a corner with a bullhorn and yell at our culture that we're in that they're wrong and they've got it wrong and they're misunderstanding? Well, that's probably not going to be effective either because the pain was real and the history is real and the fear is real and so you just can't yell at somebody and tell them to get over it and so, so what do we do? I mean, what if... What if Jesus was a Quebecer? What would Jesus have to say to this culture that we're in with the history that it has? And I'm I'm, I'm treading carefully here today, and I know this is not an easy conversation, but I think it's an important one. And I know that it's not a conversation that's going to be solved in one service on Thanksgiving Sunday, (laughs) but I still think it's important to start the conversation or to participate in it, and to, and to work that through. And so what if, what if Jesus was a Quebecer? I have a couple thoughts. Here's the first one. Jesus did have something to say about oppressive religion. Jesus actually did have something to say about oppressive, domineering, controlling, hypocritical religions and their leaders. And it wasn't pretty. Brace yourself. Matthew chapter 23. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. For they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra long tassels, and they love to sit at the head table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi. Jesus does not really have a lot of time for hypocritical religious leaders. He goes on. He goes on and on. I'm not even reading it all to you this morning, but he goes on and on. And I just thought I'd give you a summary of what Jesus said about these hypocritical religious leaders. He calls them frauds. And then he says that they are, you ready? Nitpicky, polished on the outside, filthy on the inside, greedy, self-indulgent, snake-like whitewashed tombs that's kind of offensive, eh? (laughs) That's a little insulting. Jesus had very little patience for religion that harms people. Here's the second thought that I have. Jesus did have something to say about how quickly we judge somebody else. And, and it's very easy for us here in this space because we're not, we're not Catholic. And the answer for us could be, it would be very easy for us to just sit back and demonize Catholic Church and the people there and just go, well, we're not them. And we're not going to do that. There are p- followers of Jesus, vibrant, passionate followers of Jesus who follow Jesus through the Catholic Church. And that's, that's okay. God is at work there as well. So the answer is not to demonize the Catholics and just go, well, wow. <laughs> We're not them. Because the truth is, in the rest of Canada, there is history there, too. It's just slightly different. And the history in the rest of Canada has to do with, with oppressing indigenous people. And it wasn't the Catholics that did it. It was Protestants that did it, United Church, Presbyterian Church, and the government. And all, kind of, and all kinds of oppression happens. And so, so our answer is not just to judge those who did the oppressing and go, I'm not them. Jesus had something to say about that. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, he said, do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at that speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I think that we need, in the church, as followers of Jesus, we need to accept the history of where we are, because we're here. And to own what we need to own, because, because terrible things were done to Quebecers in the name of Jesus. And you didn't do it. And I didn't do it. But today, we're the ones carrying the name of Jesus. And that's the message that's out there. And so, so instead of simply distancing ourselves and backing away and pronouncing judgment on them and saying, well, it wasn't us, it was them who did the oppressing, we might need to acknowledge that maybe if we had had, if we had been in that time and place and had been, you know, at that point in history, it's possible we might have done the same thing. And we might need to acknowledge that each one of us here has, has you know, the sinful possibility within ourselves that, that we might have done the same thing. And before we suggest to our Quebecer friends and neighbors that they need Jesus, we might need to be willing to listen to their stories and to hear their pain and to say, I'm so sorry that happened. I'm so sorry that that happened to your family to your friends and to your, your ancestors, I'm so sorry, it was wrong. Here's the third thought I have. Jesus had compassion, especially for people who had been beaten up by religion. Matthew chapter 9 says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And I remember the first time, or maybe not the first time, but a few years ago when I read this scripture and was was looking at it and saw this phrase like sheep without a shepherd. And I, I wrote in the margin of my Bible, well, where were the shepherds? Because they're supposed to be there. They're supposed to be doing the job. And in Jesus' world... Similar to Quebec's world, the the shepherds were doing anything but caring for the people that they were supposed to be shepherding. They were doing anything but that. And Jesus then looked at those people, both in his world and therefore here as well, and he saw them as confused and helpless, and he had compassion. I believe that the onus is on us on us as followers of Jesus to show Quebecers a different Jesus. And the onus is on us to show them a different kind of church than the one they've known or the one they've heard about. And that's going to take time. And it's going to take consistency. And it's going to take compassion and a willingness to listen. And it's going to take an understanding of how desperately and how passionately Jesus loves people in Quebec and, and that Jesus sees, you know, their victim mentality and he sees their fear and he sees what religion and what terrible shepherds have done to them and he's filled with compassion for them. And so then the question becomes, do we have that same compassion and are we willing to do the work? verse 37 of that same chapter, Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. There's, there's work to be done. There's work. We have our work cut out for us. And I kind of laugh when I see this scripture because I think it was Jesus a little bit having some fun with his disciples and tricking them a little bit because he said to them, Hey, there's a whole lot of work to do. Can you pray that God will send more people to do the work? And so they did. And then he said, Guess what? You're the answer to your own prayer. And he sent them out. And the very next chapter said, well, actually, you're the workers. And so he sent them out into the world just like he's sending us to our province, to Quebec, to the world and the culture and the community that we live in. So pray, yes, pray, by all means, pray. And then go. And do the long, hard, consistent, compassionate work of being good news And of showing, of seeing people healed and cared for, whether it happens immediately or takes a long time, and show them the difference between a domineering religion and a loving God. And be that difference and create that culture. Do we love this province enough to do that? Do we love the people around us enough to persist in, in, in doing good and persist through their pain and persist through their fear of getting it wrong and their fear of being shamed and their fear of being dominated by religion? And do we love them enough to respond with love and compassion and humility and doing good over and over and over again so that they can heal? Are we willing to be part of the long healing process so that they can meet Jesus. Probably going to take some time. Somebody once said that, that we, we overestimate what can happen in a year, but we underestimate what can happen in 10 years. And we can't change the past, and we can't fix the past, but we do get to choose who we're going to be. And we do get to choose what kind of a church we are going to be here. And now, today and tomorrow, we get to decide who Evangel is going to be and how we're going to represent Jesus to our world. And so we're going to be a different kind of church. I'm going to ask the worship team to come, but I want to just talk to to you about this for one minute. We're going to be a different kind of church. We're going to be the kind of church where it's safe to fail, where if you make a mistake or you sin, or you mess up, you're going to be met with grace and forgiveness and compassion and restoration, not shame, not condemnation, not, not unending guilt. And we're, and we're going to be the kind of church that has a full acknowledgement that every single one of us is less than perfect because all the perfect people left, they didn't like it here. So we're going to be the kind of church that says, you know, not one of us is perfect, but each of us is valuable and each of us is loved by God and each of us belongs because God says that we belong in his family. We're going to be a different kind of church. We're going to be a kind of church that serves rather than dominates and that, that does good. We do good in our community, number one, because Jesus commanded us to. We also do good in our community, in this community, in Quebec, because in some ways it has been sadly lacking and it is desperately needed. And for some, in our community, in our culture, the church of Jesus Christ has a lot of rebuilding to do. And for some, the church of Jesus Christ has a lot of giving and a lot of serving to do, and it takes time to rebuild trust and to earn credibility again. We're going to be a different kind of church. We're going to be one that, that invites rather than compels. Hey, why don't you come and join us? Hey, if you want to come with me to Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow at my church, you can sit with me and you can just hang out with me and we'll talk together. We're going to be the kind of church that, that invites people to join us rather than using guilt to compel people to come and to just conform, just conform. And we're going to be the kind of church that loves no matter what, no matter what no matter whether people follow Jesus or not, no matter how they respond to us, whether they accept us or don't accept us, whether we are welcomed in our community or not, whether we agree on everything or not, we are going to be a different kind of church that loves people no matter what. We're going to be a church that's inside out. and We do good and we love each other. And we reveal Jesus to a world that desperately needs him. I'm going to ask if you would stand with me at this moment. And God, at this moment, we, we stand here before you. And it's, it's a bit sobering talking about all of this. It's not, it's not an easy conversation to have. But God, you you have placed us here. We're here because you've placed us here. Whether, whether for now or long term, we are here Followers of Jesus in Montreal and in Quebec, because you placed us here. So, God, we're asking you to give us a heart for our province. We're asking you to stir up um, compassion within us for the people around us. And we're asking you, God, that you would send workers because there's a lot of work to be done. And, and, and we ask that with a little smile, knowing that the last time somebody prayed that, they were the answer to their own prayer. So, God, we're asking you to send workers knowing full well that you probably are going to turn back to us and say, well, it's you. And so, God, we own the reality of what's happened. And we own that in some ways and sometimes the church has been a major part of the problem. We're so sorry for that, God. We ask your forgiveness for that, oh, God. And we ask that you would give us hearts that listen and that hear so that we can maybe be part of the healing process. God, would you heal our land? Would you heal our world? Would you heal our province? Would you let people meet the living, loving, faithful, resurrected Christ? Make us a different kind of church, God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong. exactly where we started in declaring that you are Lord over it all and God we we walk out of here and and lots of us are going to Thanksgiving dinners with with family or friends or or um, neighbors and and then we've got a week in front of us filled with with classes and work and colleagues and all of that kind of stuff and and God in some of those places we're gonna have conversations that matter And so, God, I'm asking at this moment that you would settle on each person here a readiness and a preparation and a heart to have those conversations. I'm asking you, God, that you you would open our eyes to see what we need to see and you would open our ears to hear um, the people that are talking to us and you would help us to respond by being inside out and you would help us to do good and you would help us to love each other And you would help us to reveal Jesus to a world that desperately needs him. I pray your protection and your covering over every person here. And I pray that you would bring us back safely next Sunday. And we thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen, amen. God bless you. Come tomorrow for Thanksgiving dinner if you want. Say happy Thanksgiving to someone. We'll see you next Sunday.